My ambition after that trip to the Highlands was simply to see if Tasmania could make a really good single malt whiskey. We don't expect everyone to like these wines, so yes, there's some risk. Drink more sherry, because that's when you can really educate yourself on what happens in maturation. The thing is with Australian that is you put them in a gin, the aftertaste invariably is just bitter and unpalatable. I think the Irish whiskey landscape is going to be wildly different over the next five years. This is the Drinks Adventures podcast. I'm James Atkinson, and this is the show where I speak to some of the world's most exciting producers of beer, wine and spirits, and uncover trends and issues in the drinks industry today. Every day is International Beer Day here at Drinks Adventures, but in case you needed another reason to celebrate the delights of beer in all its forms, this episode is going to air on the first Friday in August, and that means it's the 16th annual International Beer Day. Kiralee Walthorn, also known as the Beer Diva, has been working in the beer industry for 23 years. A beer educator, writer and judge, Kiralee matches beer with food for a living. So you're in good hands as we sit down for a discussion about some of the hottest beer-style trends of the moment in Australia. This is a special episode produced in partnership with Zytho Brewing, which you'll find exclusively in Dan Murphy's and BWS stores. Created for Zythophiles, that's another name for beer lovers, the Zytho range includes three hop-driven ales, Tropical Haze, Zesty Pale Ale, and an IPA. There's also the Velvet Lux Stout, and winter recently brought the seasonal return of a white stout. We'll get Kiralee's thoughts on this oxymoron of a beer style, along with the haze craze, the lager resurgence, and the boom in low and no alcohol craft beers, among other topics. Kiralee shares some beer and food matching tips along the way, and reveals the beer style she wishes was more popular among Australian drinkers. We started by talking about the recent news that Stout is having a rebirth in Dan Murphy's and BWS stores, with sales up 8% on last winter. I asked Kiralee what she thinks might be driving the mainstream resurgence of one of our favourite beer styles. Look, I think more breweries are making Stouts now. I think just accessibility to Stout. I remember probably 10 or 15 years ago trying to find a Stout yeah, there were really just a handful that you could get all year round and only another other handful of breweries who were making a stout for winter. Now, you know, most breweries would have a dark beer or a stout style of beer. So I think accessibility, definitely. Um, I think just the, the movement, you know, towards craft as well. People are experimenting a little bit more um, and therefore, you know, trying different styles. Um, And look, you know, Stout's a great alternative away from the hops and hops has really driven craft beer for such a long time. If that's not your thing, Stout's a really lovely alternative to that. So I think there's a a number of factors. For me, though, probably the big one is just the fact that there's so many good Stouts out there now on the market. And the Zytho Velvet Luxe Stout, is that returning from last year? That's still around, I believe. That's always available. As good in summer as it is in winter, James. And good to see, um, you know, 6%, fairly sort of robust kind of beer, but not, you know, super challengingly roasty or bitter either. It drinks very easily for that sort of level of strength. Yeah, I was going to say it does what it says on the can. It's got that lovely kind of velvety slightly sultry, you know, um, drinkability to it. But I do think that little bit of extra alcohol, give it a bit more body, a bit more weight, 
is a really nice thing to do with a stout. And then they've just launched or relaunched their white stout as well, which is a whole almost oxymoron or (laughs) it's an interesting one for people to get their heads around you know because stout is all about the color yeah you kind of likened it before we were recording to the white chocolate of Mm. um of of chocolates basically so very much so and look i was always a milky bar kid i loved white chocolate but it's not actually chocolate (laughs) is it (laughs) there's no chocolate in it um but yeah, a white stout definitely has more of those, I would say, white chocolate notes in that, you know, you get more of those lovely kind of sweeter caramel notes. You're still getting some of that roast coming through um, because, you know, it still has that is reminiscent of a stout as such, but with more of the sweeter caramel notes, which is more akin to, I guess, the white chocolate kind of flavours. And it's making its return. I think it, it mm-hmm. was um, around last year. So there must have been enough interest in that one for it to uh, get a re-release. Yeah, absolutely. I think back by popular demand. So, um, and look, I think White Stout's actually a great style for people to explore the whole stout world or the darker beer world without, I mean, it, the, the colour is so off-putting to some people. I always say if you could blindfold drinkers put a stout in front of them, they'd love it. (laughs) When they look at it, there's these perceptions that it's going to be intense and and heavy and bitter and when it's, we know it's none of those things. And I think that's where the white stout comes in. It's, it's, you know, just looking at it, it looks more like a traditional, you know, beer in terms of what we think beer should look like, but then it has all those beautiful stout characteristics. So nice little intro into the world of stout. How do you actually make a white stout? And is there any sort of background to who pioneered this um, <laughs> rather bizarre concept? Great question. It's sort of like I a black eye came out of the US, like, actually, yeah. <laughs> the white stout. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, we're very led by the US and from a craft beer point of view. But yeah, I mean, the roastiness and some of those flavour characteristics come through, you know, using cocoa nibs, which can often be used in a dark stout as well some coffee actually going in there. But the big thing they've got to avoid is obviously the roasted barley (laughs) and the roasted malt because otherwise it's a dark stout. And even in a dark stout, you know, the the amount of roasted barley or, or malt is very small. That's how intense it is. So they've got to find flavours that are kind of reminiscent of a, you know, those beautiful coffee and, and chocolatey notes without actually using those roasted malts. What are the sort of um, food matches that are coming into play for you with these beers? Oh, with stout particularly, so the the darker stouts, you know, blue cheese is the classic. We all know that that's actually a phenomenal pairing. And I always say stout is almost like the muscatel grape or the prune and walnut log that you'd have on a cheese plate, just something a little bit sweeter to cut through the intensity of that blue, and it's it's a fantastic combination. Oysters, you know, that's where it started, right? The, <laughs> the creaminess and the silkiness of the oyster and the stout, you know, the, the mouthfeel is so beautiful in terms of, you know, echoing the, those similar characteristics. And then your other classic matches, your, your chocolate as well. But, you know, outside of that, these, they're all matches that I think, you know, anyone that's done a beer and food pairing would, would know. Um, but, you know, something, a, a beautiful um, casserole, you know, something that you can actually use the stout in as part of the cooking process as well, you know, something slow cooked, 
in the oven on the stovetop, char grilled steaks or anything that's got a bit of char on it, you know, picks up those roasty notes and the stouts as well. It's a pretty diverse beer style in terms of what it can pair with. With the white stout, which is, you know, as we said, a slightly sweeter style of, of beer, uh, you know, get some strawberries and dip them in white chocolate and bring those white chocolate notes into um, the, the pairing as well. Because of those lovely caramel notes, maybe sticky date pudding, even pouring it over your ice cream would be amazing because the white stout certainly got some of those lovely vanilla notes in it as well. So get some really good quality vanilla ice cream and make a stout spider, the grown-up spider. <laughs> what about other dark beer styles? You know, are you seeing the likes of Porter and uh, which is sort of obviously a close relative of Stout and, you know, Imperial Stouts, are you kind of seeing increased interest in some of these other beer styles as well? Yeah, I think probably less so Porters actually. Um, I think Stout seems to be dominating the, the dark styles and particularly those Imperial Stouts. So again, um, you know, a lot of the breweries choose winter to bring out their, you know, really nice, big, rich, robust Imperial Stouts, 8, 10, 12% alcohol, which you really do have to treat like a wine or even a, a liqueur that you'd have after dinner. And I always say share a bottle of those or a can of those. Don't try to <laughs> do one yourself because never ends uh, in, a, in a good way. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I think... What we're also seeing is a lot of those imperial stouts being barrel aged. So those breweries that have a, a really good barrel program, you know, putting their stouts in the barrels and just bringing all those lovely other characteristics, you know, whether it's bourbon, rum, red wine, it just adds a whole nother level of flavour and complexity to stouts. And, and the quality, I think, of those beers in Australia just keeps getting better and better every year. Yep. Um, there's like more hits than misses now. I agree. I agree. And I think, um, you know, the, the brewers are certainly, um, as more breweries are, are barrel ageing and learning and, you know, refining their, their skills in that area. And it's something that the brewers love too. So... I find if the brewers have a passion for barrel ageing, then, you know, they're just going to get better and better at it, as you said. What are your thoughts on the future of the haze craze? Do you think that we're already starting to see the pendulum slip back the other way a little bit? Because there has been a little bit of a movement back towards West Coast IPAs, um, I think. Yeah, we definitely have seen that. I think the really thick, juicy you know, almost could hold up a spoon in the beer <laughs> craze has, has, we're certainly seeing that pull, you know, yeah. fade away. You can't drink much of those beers, no, can can't. you? And no. I, I, I know that if I see oat cream or milkshake on a label, yep. it tends to be something that I'll avoid yeah. nowadays. Yeah, I'm the same. I mean, it's fun to taste them, but they're not something that, you know, they wouldn't pass the, the two-point test or the two-schooner test. Or <laughs> Look, I think those really big hazies definitely we're starting to pull back from. But I think just in general, those bigger, more intense flavoured beers, even the stouts that we talked about, have a much smaller audience the breweries now, that that core market is in that accessibility and approachability and, you know, less challenging. So I think the haze style at a lighter level, we're, we're going to keep 
seeing because it is such a easy drinking style of beer. And I think really because of the fact that, you know, it's got all those beautiful aromatic hop qualities and characters without the bitterness. And, you know, bitterness is something that has always been a bit of a barrier for beer. So Zytho Brewing, when we look at the lineup, there's a tropical hazy style beer. They've got a zesty pale ale. So again, very hop focused and a very easy drinking pale. So something we're seeing certainly in the in the beer market in Australia is these more sessionable, more easy drinking pale ale styles. So a little lower in alcohol, still with those nice hop forward characters, but a bit more easy drinking than say the, the pale owls of even five years ago. And then they've got an IPA. So if you like a little bit more of that hop quality, so more of an American style, a um, bit piney, a bit resinous, you know, those beautiful citrusy characters. That's another beer in the in the Zytho range for for those hop lovers um, in, in craft. But again, easy drinking. So it's, it's not going to you know, blow your head off when it comes to hops. I see that it's actually brought more people into the the craft beer space. So I, I can't see it going anywhere yet. I just don't think we're going to be as hazy. But to your point, we're definitely seeing a comeback of the, the West Coast IPAs as well. I know you work quite closely in the, in the hop space. And have you been pretty excited by the sort of array of new flavours that are coming into beer from some of these emerging hop varieties from, yeah. from around the world? Here, obviously, but in the US, there's sort of some pretty unusual flavours that we didn't have a few years ago now. Yeah. I mean, hops are such an important you know, ingredient in beer, aren't they? You know, in terms of that flavour and, and certainly the aroma. And it is exciting to see the innovation that's happening in the hop world and how far these hops are being pushed and, as you said, some of those, you know, new flavours. So, you know, we're starting to see berries and, you know, red fruit flavours coming through, more of those wines. I mean, Nelson Sauvon is the classic, you know, wine hop, but we're now starting to see other hops that also have some of those characteristics. So it's such an effort to get a new hop to commercialisation, but great that they're always pushing for different flavour characteristics. Absolutely. Now, one uh, beer style that we haven't seen in the Zytho lineup yet is lager, which I'm a bit surprised about because it does seem to sort of be getting a bit of momentum now. Do you think that that is a trend that's actually getting traction? Yeah, absolutely. I would say definitely, you know, along along with the, the haze, I think lagers for sure. And again, you know, when you, when you look as a brewery and you're looking at your beer drinkers, Lager is such a big part of what we drink in Australia. If you looked at just all beer, not surprising that breweries see that as an opportunity. I think there's a lot of brewers that love to make lager as well. And, you know, breweries are, are now set up well to do that. There's more experience in the industry because lager, as we know, is a, is a harder style to make, actually. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we're going to continue to see more craft lagers come through and Zytho, it's got to be on the, in the planning, right? <laughs> <laughs> it would make sense, I think, to bring one out. And I guess a couple of the things that I'm seeing are the kind of very traditional Bohemian-style pilsners that some, you know, the breweries are, a lot of the breweries are brewing. And then you've got more of the kind of crafted lagers, which are a bit more hop-forward lagers as well. So... Yep, I think 
lager's definitely going to take up some more space in the craft beer world. For sure. Um, now, one of the other big trends of recent years has definitely been non-alcoholic beers. Where do you stand on, on these? Are you finding much room in your drinking repertoire for beer sans alcohol? Oh, look, maybe I'm just old school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to open my heart and my mind to non-alcoholic beer, but I just find that if I'd rather just drink one beer and, and then, you know, nothing than drink a non-alcoholic beer for the whole night. That's just me. My fascination is of really understanding how big the opportunity is. I think the media's certainly taken a hold of the whole no-low trend. We see a lot written about it. My question is, how big is it going to actually get? Are we there yet? Is it going to suddenly explode or is it just going to find its, you know, kind of level? And there's a new one hitting the market every week. Surely, you know, that can't be sustained, like the sheer volume of new products that are hitting the market. I think it's great for people who enjoy them, though, and I have enjoyed absolutely. them on occasion absolutely as well. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think it's just nice for when you're not drinking to have an alternative to what was, you know, the lime and soda or a Coke or, you know, a soft drink. I think it's great that there's now so many other options for people that choose not to drink for whatever reason. I'm kind of sitting back and going to just watch to see what happens with this one. Now, tell me, like, we've covered a, a lot of styles, but obviously only a very small spattering of the potential beer styles that there are out there. What's your biggest frustration of, like, a beer style that you would like to be more popular in Australia than it is? Oh, Saison. <laughs> I bring yeah. back the Saison, my favourite style in the world. And anyone that knows me knows that if there's a Saison on the menu, that's, that's the one I want. And I just, you know, I remember... When I first started working in the craft beer space, which was probably about 15 years ago, and, and there were a, two or three of these amazing saisons, obviously Bridge Road with their Chevalier saison was one that I just, you know, literally put my arms around and couldn't get enough of. Um, and the amount of non-beer drinking friends that I had that loved a saison, I could I converted so many people to beer through that beer style, and. I just wish the breweries <laughs> would bring it back and because it, it it's such a great food beer, it's a great table beer, it's a great sharing beer and I think it's also a really good style for people that think they don't want to drink a beer. So bring back the Saison, please. <laughs> <laughs> or bring back more of them. Any other predictions for what's going to be what's going to be hot this coming summer? Um Look, I think sours are still out there and, you know, the, the fruited sours, again, I think they've been incredible at, at introducing new drinkers into the beer category. So I think we'll, we'll still see more of those and um, probably a little bit more experimentation around different fruits as well. And again, just continuing on with those more hop aromatics, less bitter um, styles of beer as well. So not anything revolutionary <laughs> at the moment. The other thing I'd like to see is, um, and I've said this many, many times, is actually having the market led by 
the consumer rather than what the brewer wants to brew <laughs> and and what they're seeing is happening overseas. Like I think doing a bit more of a deep dive into actually the Australian consumer and, and what they're looking for and meeting those needs and, you know, desires in terms of what they're looking for from a beer because I do feel like the market is still very much led by the breweries rather than the people drinking their beers. Now, it is International Beer Day, coinciding with this episode going to air. Has that been an important day on your calendar, Kiralee? Oh, it's got the biggest red circle (laughs) (laughs) on my calendar every year, James. It's a good day to just reflect. And I mean, I've worked in the beer industry for 23 years, so it's been my, you know, it's been a big part of my life. Um, And I think International Beer Day is a great opportunity for everyone, whether you're a beer drinker or not, to just go out and maybe, you know, find a beer that you've never tried before, find a beer style that you've never tried before and just celebrate, you know, the, the great industry that we have in Australia here. Well, Kiralee, uh, thanks so much for joining us on the Drinks Adventures podcast. Pleasure, James. Thanks so much for having me. The Drinks Adventures podcast is produced by me, James Atkinson, with additional production and mixing by Dave Robertson. You can find complete transcripts, links, and other information on the show at drinksadventures.com.au. You can follow me on all social media platforms at by James Atkinson. Like my Facebook page, James Atkinson Drinks Adventures, to be kept informed of podcast giveaways and other news about the show. The Drinks Adventures podcast needs your support as listeners. Please do us a favour and leave an honest review and rating for the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. We love hearing your feedback and it helps inform other people this is a show worth listening to. Or simply drop us a line at hello at drinksadventures.com.au.